This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today is Hans, who is... Um, are you sweating, or are you just, like, really red because of the light? I'm always sweating. I'm always sweating. It's red light, but I'm always a little sweaty. Because <laughs> this light is very close to my face, so, you know. Of course. I, mm-hmm. And we have uh, one egg white. We have Eggy, first appearance on the show. How are you doing today? Well, I tell you, I'm doing just swell, and I hope you guys are also. Oh, we're the swellest. Uh, we have quite sweaty. the movie. Yes, you're, well, you're sweaty. Uh, <laughs> we have quite the movie to talk about tonight. Egg, you had a terrific pick for this show. Something that surprised me. A movie that I haven't yeah. thought about in quite some time. It's a movie that is frequently brought up as like a great Robin Williams performance. And, um, you know, it's certainly got some great cinematography to it. Uh, but it's still underrated even today. I'm surprised it was on HBO Max. That's how I wound up watching it. Someone seems sad. They don't have any friends. It makes me feel bad for them. Who is that that doesn't have any friends? Sai. The photo guy at the one-hour place? We really don't know that much about him, you know? I mean, he might even have a lot of friends. He probably has a girlfriend and, and a mommy and a daddy who love him. I don't think he does. I've been doing mini lab work for over 20 years now. I consider it an important job. Hi, Mrs. Yorkin. Can I get that address again? Yes, Mrs. 326 Serrano Terrace. What you got there, family photos? Yeah. Yeah, you mind if I take a look? So a very beautiful house, too. I'm sorry? According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the word snapshot was originally a hunting term. One hour photo, the 2002 thriller from Mark, what's his name? Mark uh, Romanek. Romanek. Yeah. Who directed like nothing else? This was one of his only three movies. <laughs> you know, with me and and uh, cinema, I just sort of seem to. Um, I'm not exactly. I would probably say I'm not a uh, consistent cinema fanatic or anything like that. Uh, but usually, I kind of just wait. I'm kind of the same way with books. I'll sort of just um, wait until I get a good recommendation, and then I'll really just dive into it, eat it up. So uh, what had happened was. I believe, it, well, it was the night that I had uh, messaged you about that particular film. Somebody had sent in a video on my YouTube live stream that I was doing. And it was this video from some guy's channel. He was like, Robin Williams in one hour photo. This is my discussion of why this is what happens when a man grows old and gets no pussy. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was like, uh, you know, actually, I hadn't seen the film to my uh, remembering in any case. And so I said, oh, hey, well, I needed a movie to watch. So, uh, you know, this guy, he's, you know, the way this guy talked about it in his, in his video essay, you know, he, he was uh, he wasn't like a big channel or anything like that. It was kind of just one guy's thoughts. And so I was like, oh, you know, he's and he didn't even spoil the film at, in any capacity, which I which also made it a lot better for me when I viewed it. Um 
but what he did say was yeah that sounds that sounds like i'll i'll certainly check that out and i did and uh <laughs> i was uh, i was i was very impressed yeah this is uh this is a great uh i think character piece for a really creepy type of individual uh I mean, I think you see this kind of type of person in everyday life pretty frequently. Like the the guy oh, yeah. who maybe you come across who's not really an acquaintance. Maybe he's just like at a restaurant you frequent or, uh, you know, uh, maybe he's just like a doorman or something. he's just a little too friendly. And it's like, what's really going on in your head? Uh, now, I remember seeing this movie when I was about 12 or 11. I only had one memory from it. And it was Robin Williams at the end with the knife and saying to the girl, now, now put his thing in your mouth. And that's all I remembered from this movie. That was my memory of this film. So uh, I had a, a pleasant surprise when I watched it today. Uh, Hans, you've been you've been yeah. quiet to this point. I want to hear what your thoughts were. What, you watched this today also, right? I, I just finished about half an hour ago. Uh, I I had work, so I, I didn't really have that much time. But uh, yeah, I I was really impressed by the way it was shot. Uh, that's one thing that I didn't remember. Uh, the framing that's used on pretty much everything uh, works really well. And there's a lot of uh, uh, scenes like the the nightmare scene that I was really impressed by, uh, mm -hmm. the angles and, and just how intense those 10 seconds were. Uh, that uh, It, it would have felt uh, out of place in a movie like this that's, that seems to be very... What, rooted in reality, I guess. Uh, and then that nightmare scene completely takes you by surprise, but it's so well done that it fits. And it fits in, in the idea that this guy's going through some shit and like his entire life is this job that he has. And now he's lost it. And the only thing that he cares for, he might never see it again. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I remember uh, from the first time I saw it that his performance was good, but uh, that also blew me away because I just remembered him as being creepy. But paying attention to the character, there's so much depth to it that even though, again, he has really nothing going on in his life other than being obsessed about this family, uh, the the way that it's portrayed by, by Robin Williams just added a lot of depth to the character with the way that he reacted to pretty much everyone in his life. Uh, but yeah, the, the thing that surprised me the most was the way it was shot. I, I, I wasn't expecting it to be such a pretty movie. <laughs> especially with with uh, with this theme, you know? Yeah, certainly. I mean, this guy, I, obviously he hasn't directed a whole lot of films, but he's got some like notable music videos under his belt. Like he was doing Taylor Swift music videos, which is the opposite of this movie. <laughs> he did the, the Johnny Cash Hurt one. Oh, really? Okay. Really? I believe. Yeah, yeah. So he had That's a big, big run in the odds, it sounds like. Uh, Eggie, what, I mean, what, is, what is your take on Robin Williams just as a, as a comedy figure? Well, I've always thought he was a great comedian. Um, you know, I haven't watched a lot of Robin Williams films in recent years, but of course, you know, growing up and then uh, as I got older, uh, then I became more familiar with some of his older stand-up and things along those lines, just beyond the the blockbuster films that uh, were a big part of my childhood. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I I thought that he I thought he did a a very good job as a uh, comedic actor, and I think. I know, um, like my parents, they're more of like the what are they, Mork and Mindy or Morton Mindy, you know? Oh, yeah, back. Mork and Mindy. Yeah, yeah, that was a little more their era. So um, I just don't know if I, I I enjoy it, but I think it probably resonates with them a little more in the same way that the films resonate with me a little more, just because it's like that's how you were introduced and uh, a lot of good classic uh, performances. So I had a I have a good opinion of Robin Williams as a comedic actor. So I mean, to be honest, yeah, the way that he really just 
commandeered this role in this film and really, I mean, made it a very, very believable uh, was was quite something. I do think that he's probably the best example of a comedian turned dramatic actor. I know Jim Carrey's tried that quite a few times, and it's kind of, you know, it's not it's not the same effect. I feel like Robin Williams specifically around this time was kind of done with comedy. Like, I think he might have had an HBO special in the late 90s or something. I remember he was doing a very vulgar bit about, well, you know, tonguing some some gash, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but then he does this movie, he does Insomnia, and I think there was another film around this time, just playing a string of creeps. And he does it so well. And this is, I, I think this is definitely the best one. I did watch Insomnia recently, so it coincided very well with your selection for, for this movie. <clears throat> and he's good yeah. in that but he's much more subdued, I guess. You got death, death to smoochie. Is, is, uh, that's a weird one. Yeah, that's not, I don't know. That, that's not really dramatic, movie. though. Eggy, did you ever see um, Death to Smoochie? Uh, I did around the time that it came out, which I believe I was, you know, like in junior high, watching it on someone's VHS player. And uh, to be honest, uh, you know, we, we had kind of like picked it from Hollywood video just based on like the... Uh, the Hollywood the, video, uh, wow external novelty factor on the vhs you know rental box and uh, to be honest i really do not recall much about it at all very little i think we kind of uh yeah we kind of watched some of it and then we were like playing pokemon or something and then like kind of like this you know or whatever yeah. we were doing so i don't really remember it's too good but i do remember it to a degree the, i think the movie that you uh meant uh Laura, is bicentennial man yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, Death to Smoochie is a weird one. That, I think Danny DeVito directed that, and it's just like a dark version of, uh, I guess, Barney or El or any one of those like childhood uh, icons, you know, uh, with with Edward Norton. One of his like, I mean, he kind of got weeded out of Hollywood not long after that. He did the Hulk movie, and then that was a wrap for him. He got labeled hard to work with because he would just like take over people's films. He would just cuck the director and become <laughs> the new director. Just like, oh, I'm the lead actor of this. Actually, I'm the director and I'm the writer. And you should just like go away. I'm just going to hand it <laughs> from here. It, I feel like this something about this movie that I didn't remember from even the last time I watched it is that, and maybe it's just because we were too closer to the era, is that it offers like a nice little slice of that early 2000s culture. Oh, like yeah. Not, I mean, you got the fashion, you got the hairstyles, you got... Uh, uh, Evangelion, some animes in there. I think he's playing, the kid is playing Tekken at one point, Tekken 3 maybe. Yeah. You know, uh, that's not something you, you see really too often. People aren't uh, looking to tap into the nostalgia of what is now like 20 years ago. Um, so it was kind of, I think it was kind of cool in that kind of stylistic manner. Go ahead, Hans. Yeah, the Simpsons were still funny. The episode that he's watching, is it's one of the good ones. This is when the die, Bart die, I think it is. Uh, so it, it feels like a like a snapshot of, of that time, especially with the whole uh, digital camera thing, where oh, yeah, where yeah. she where the, the the lady tells him that you know uh, his her husband wants him to to get a digital camera. He's like, oh no, my, I won't have a job or something like that. That feels very of that time when when those things were being introduced. And also, uh, I love that the the little camera that he used had like the the most amazing zoom ever, even though it was just like a tiny little <laughs> digital camera. Uh, that was great, but yeah, it's like a like a very accurate snapshot, I think, of of those years, uh, those early two thousands, and uh, that adds a lot to it. Especially because now, 
Uh, a lot of movies try to do that, but it feels very shallow. Like it doesn't really feel oh, yeah. uh, like it feels like they're just trying to grab things that people might remember, but it never feels like it's actually said in that. Uh, like that movie that we mention all the time, complaining about the music, that uh, Fear Street uh, movie, where they just hammer you with music of the time to make it seem yeah, like fear, it's like uh, that. Like, that was a terrible movie. Eggy, did you watch the Fear Street movies at all? Uh, it does not sound familiar, I must say. That's a, that's a direct-to-Netflix piece-of-shit horror movie that came out like a month ago. And it's like, oh, it's the 90s. And then they hit you with like Mbop and then Nirvana. Within like a stretch of three minutes, you get hammered with like eight different 90s songs. And it does like it, it's just bad. It's relying on, it's a, on that familiarity. It's a, the only thing that feels nice because it's supposed to be set in 1996. So they hammer you with that music, but nothing about it feels 1996, and you got got a little black kid on AIM, talking on AIM in 1996. Get real. Please. I couldn't even afford that. Um, Anyway. uh, And that child, Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Eggy, I want to get a a better idea of what your film taste in general is like. Uh, I mean, you said it's kind of all over the place, you know? Yeah. Uh, has has our mutual friend Kino influenced you at all? I saw you you met up with Kino. Uh, what was that in Florida? Monkey Jones and you guys had a, a YouTube All Star Bash or something, right? Um, you know he uh, he didn't really try to like well except for one particular film oh, which I actually uh, <laughs> I don't use Discord very much. I logged into that and um, I was I was added into a, a server called the Solo Special. <laughs> I'm going to guess is that's that's you know not to be an NDA breaker I didn't have to sign anything though but I'm going to guess there's going to be some sort of viewing party in the future or uh-huh. something uh in any case no other, other than that he didn't really like tell me oh man you have to see this or have you seen this or it wasn't you know he just kind of uh we were sort of just talking about a mix of stuff when we were hanging out and when he did speak on film it was sort of just uh to some general sensibilities not anything too particular but um i guess my taste is um i've always been uh ever since i was young um i've always had a uh, appreciation for surrealism and so uh i've watched a lot of uh lynchian uh work in my time and that's not to say that i don't also just enjoy some good you know uh very run-of-the-mill comedies or just some you know stuff but it's, it's just I don't know if there's as many good films from the current crop. I kind of just sort of stopped keeping up with sort of like how I do with video games. I kind of sort of stopped keeping up with the times and I just, you know, revisit some of the uh, things from the last few decades that I might not have had the uh, time to appreciate before. And I'm kind of going back to it now. So um, I'm, I'm also quite into uh, my grandfather was a, a collector of uh country western movies from like the 50s and 60s nice those are the kind of film where the uh the plot in and of itself may not be particularly intricate it's not exactly uh subversive it's pretty uh it's pretty linear uh for the most part but still there's just a charm to those sort of uh films from that time that i enjoy it's just enjoyable and pleasant to watch i guess that it's it's sort of bad they didn't have to go through to the point where we're at right now where it's like if you would do something like that you know nobody's even gonna give it a second look because it's just oh where's the where's the 
where's the new thing? Where's the, where's the M night Shyamalan flip? You know, yeah. the Cowboys run down the train. All of a sudden the train is now they're in Harry Potter world and they're flying upside down. And, uh, and then they're meeting up with themselves from when they're kids. And now they got to go and fight the, you know, it's got to have all this extra stuff going on because it just is what it is. But um, yeah, I guess if that made, if that rambling made any sense. There you <laughs> yeah, go. no, you know, oh. you, you completely were coherent there. I mean, that that's a genre that I just tapped into last year because of the lockdowns, I, you know, not having much to do, not having anything new to watch, uh, checking out a bunch of John Ford films, things like, uh, you know, Red River or uh, uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, very simple movies that serve as effective morality tales without being preachy, without being, or not hitting you over the head with certain ideas. Uh, right. There's absolutely a charm to them. And Go ahead, Hans, I kind of interrupted you there. Yeah, it's it's uh, those feels really uh, feel like uh, character studies for characters that you don't really go deep into, uh, because a lot of it is the way that they react to whatever environment there is or whatever their goal is. But we never really get to know the character that well, uh, maybe because uh, the, the characters uh, are uh, like macho or like closed up and don't let anyone in because they're loners or whatever. But I feel like uh, in those movies, um, a lot of it was focused on the way they were shot and the way that uh, that, that world was presented. So you didn't really need uh, the most interesting character as long as the character acted in a way that was interesting. I don't know if that makes sense. But the way that they react to their environment, I think uh, it's something that's very underrated and, and something that nowadays is not used that well with recent movies. Uh, because it's mostly, you know, focusing on, on, you know, what the hook will be instead of trying to think of a character that, uh, you know, we, we might not need him to be 4D. We might not need him to, to go through heartbreak and happiness and everything to know who they are. And just by the way they react to things uh, make them interesting. And, and when you revisit those old movies, those uh, Clint Eastwood movies, uh, Steve McQueen movies, the characters are not very deep or they don't really have that much to say even, but just the presses that they had on screen, you don't really get that anymore. There's there's not really those type of megastars where just by by just being that that character can drive a movie. And I feel like that's been lost uh, a lot, especially recently, where you know those movie stars don't really exist anymore. And and uh, the movie stars are trying to push down our throat. It feels like they get younger every year and less interesting. Well, they're utterly more charmless. They are such boring yeah. people. And they don't really offer anything when they do perform. I mean, I, I think the idea of like of what a movie star is or used to be, where we were, I know we're talking about Clint Eastwood's or like a Jack Nicholson type, uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Everybody's so caught up in sucking their own dick, trying to be Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, I'm going to disappear into the character that they don't bring anything to the role. And they're just very boring. So I, I mean, I think that's a lot of the problem as well. Um, you know, I mean, look, even comedians that branch over into film. Uh, do wind up suffering a similar problem. Like we had Robin Williams before. Now what do we got? Kumail Nanjiani. <laughs> Kevin Hart. Very, Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart. <laughs> Just to get back to uh, to one hour photo, though, there is such like a, a rich visual composition to this movie. Uh, and I think that's entirely because of this man's experience with music videos. Well, even the way that they're lit, uh, the different characters, like uh, the way that Sai, uh, that's his name, right? Yeah, Sai uh, the, the The way he's lit is always kind of vage is uh, kind of yellowy, which makes him an even creepier look to him. Uh, not just with his 
kind of like this style hair that he has <laughs> but also the fact that, that the light the way that they light him uh on on the scenes uh, if you pay attention to that uh I, i'm sure it's on purpose but you don't really notice it until you start really paying attention to it and the way that he's lit is always in like a yellowish beigeish uh which just add adds to the creepiness of, of the character uh which uh a lot of that creepiness, or maybe not not creepiness, because I, I honestly didn't really feel that the character was creepy throughout it. I think that idea of it that I had from previous, uh, wa- from watching it previously, was that that he was just you know creepy. But um, he gave the character so much depth without saying that much. Just his facial expressions and, and the way that he was lit and reacting to everything that was happening uh, made him really interesting. But yeah, I noticed that that thing with the light that. Uh, it seemed to be very on purpose that the way that everything was lit to, to portray something without them having to say anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in terms of talking about, uh, you know, this, this is a somewhat surreal movie. You do jump in and out of his ideas, his fantasies, his very peculiar uh, desire to be involved with this family. It's just uh, like, a, like a weird sexually neutral man just involved, just there, just hanging out. I don't know. Very peculiar stuff. You ever have any feelings like that, Hans or Eggy? Boy, I just wanted to just, belong just to being part of a, some random family. No, I try to get away from people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the opposite. I don't want to get close to anyone instead. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, uh, I would say when I was younger, because I know where I was at at a certain point in time. You know, it's like I've, you know, I'm I live a very different. Uh, experience now having gone from basically being you know a total hermit to you know through a series of events you know being known by people a little more having more people to talk to and things like that that I didn't have before you know I could recall although that it's more of just me continuing to remember myself or remind myself rather through the years you know there was certainly a point in time where I was just there alone I had a um, a place that I lived by myself and I would work night shift and it was usually just, um, you know, you wouldn't see very many people typically just very, uh, you know, I, I used to tell myself, it felt like I just was, you know, walking around in like, uh, in a world where, you know, like I didn't have a connection to anything and it felt just very, you know, it was an isolating feeling. And so I think, um, to remember how that felt and to, you know, for someone like Cy Seymour Parrish, in the film, which surely, you know, he probably, there's no indication that there was at any point in time over these years, had there ever been like a, a reprieve from his isolation, it seemed like it had just been right. sort of very one note, um, you know, and I think that's probably enough to drive somebody mad. Uh, and so I think that can't, it doesn't excuse, uh, you know, the obsession, but it makes it easier to understand how, you know, maybe some good stories might, you know, that's just what you heard that day. Here's a story. It's kind of weighing on your mind to do Oh, they come back. Oh yeah. You know, maybe, maybe he took the one print, one extra print just to, Oh, that was a good time. Well, maybe another one this time, you know, I mean, over a period of a decade of employment, I mean, uh, at this, at this store, you know, and having, and I also say this too, the scene where they're displaying all these photographs on the wall, you know, it was very interesting because it like really, really appears that, you know, the, that there's age differences in the photos. It looks like, you know, the children are young at certain points and then, you know, older at certain points and everybody, the family actually, uh, they, they all have a resemblance, which, you know, that also was like, a that was that like added to, uh, the casting choice for me for, 
for them was uh, was quite well, and it was well done, I think. Um, but yeah, just to sort of go beyond, just like, oh, this guy's creeping on him, and then you know, to really, you know, fe- see beyond that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I'm glad that although I might not be the sanest man sometimes, you know, I'm glad that at least uh, I never went down that path because I might have, I might, I, I was buying anime figurines and wall scrolls, you know, I had nothing ever changed. I mean, you know, who knows what kind of uh place I'd be living in these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some uh, Evangelion action figures or something. Yeah. Like right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's an interesting combination of that loneliness and then working in that profession where you're seeing people's lives. I mean, you're developing little, you know, screenshots of their, of their lives over the years and, yeah, I mean, I, I, I it's also kind of interesting just how that doesn't really exist anymore. That's just part of the old culture, the old way of things, that, that unspoken trust you just had to have in whoever was developing your film to not be a total pervert or sicko or psychopath. Um, it's, it's such, a, such an interesting, uh, I think, profession to give to a character and put into this type of movie. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about your... Um, your filmmaking taste because you would reference David Lynch. I feel like some of this feels visually inspired by some of Lynch's work anyway. Um, I agree. Would you say that Lynch is like your, your main director that you're into at all? And also are you into uh, Nicholas winding Refn at all? Cause that's one of my favorites. He's kind of like uh he's someone deeply inspired by David Lynch. He's known for Drive. That's obviously the most famous one, but he's also done like weirder movies like Only God Forgives, Neon Demon, um, some some big movies of like the past 10 years. Well, actually, I'm not going to lie. I mean, um, those movies that you just, uh, Nicholas uh, Winding Refn, you said was, yeah. uh, was his name? Yeah. Because I mean, I, I will admit I wasn't uh, familiar with him, I guess, on the uh, on a name basis. And really probably the reason why I think about David Lynch a lot was that that was one of my friends who was into film. I wouldn't have considered myself a particularly like film uh, adept individual or, you know, uh, a cinema, you know, uh, savvy individual until I had a friend of mine who sort of was, you know, really into Lynch's works and, uh, you know, would speak about him a lot or whatever. And then I was like, Oh, Hey, Hey, you know what? Yeah. It's uh, after I watched, you know, uh, his films, I was like, yeah, damn, I, I really, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Um, but I mean, I like, you know, I definitely, you know, drive and only God forgives. And um, those were uh neon demon. I, I wonder, I feel like, I feel like I had watched all of those films um, within the last few years. Like, once again, I'll say too, that a lot of my uh, recommendations had come from, if it wasn't somebody who I knew personally, which typically wasn't, it was usually off of like people on the internet, you know, they're like, Oh my goodness. This is absolutely Lynchian and absolutely so Kino and based. And I'm like, okay, well, all right, let me check it out. And uh, that's the highest recommendation a movie can get these days. <laughs> it's true, yeah. That's uh, it's pretty much that'll be how a film is like put to me. They're like, oh my goodness, bro, it's so Kino and based. And so then I'm like, all right, well, I'll uh, check it out. And um, yeah, most people that tell me that it usually hits. I can't think of the last time that I took a recommendation on those terms that i didn't much care for i really it's hard for me to remember what that might have been yeah i got recommended in the heights by hans because he's hispanic so he felt a cultural vibe there hated them <laughs> no that was no extremely no, disappointing never. 
I hate that little <laughs> that little Puerto Rican man is giving us a bad name. We're all not. <laughs> well, it's like uh, uh, now everyone thinks that that uh, the only hip hop that Latin American people like is like the hippity hippity hop hip hippity that he does <laughs> in his fucking musicals. It's fucking awful. Yeah, I hate that little man. I mean, anytime someone sees you now, you're just probably thinking of Lin Manuel Miranda, yeah. right? That's the start, result of that. Yeah, they expect me to, to just talk by dancing. And they just play very <laughs> yeah, no. Well, Eggy, Eggy, you're a musician. You're a rapper. You're very talented, by the way. Thank Eggie, you. Everyone should check out your work if they haven't already. Um, I mean, what do you? What is your rap perspective on Lin Manuel Miranda? Uh, he doesn't really get played around the type of uh, <laughs> the type of audiences I'm familiar with. You know, I kind of got mm. like I got like a little bit of the nerd core that I rock with. You know, I would say when I say nerdcore, I mean, I guess like they call it like maybe nowadays it's like incel core. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I think sometimes that could like if people are unfamiliar, but like nerdcore was like, you know, that was like MC Chris. That's not what it is anymore. It's so it's 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 evolved. It's sort of evolved into like a little doomery, a little like self-reflective, whatever the case might be. Anyways, then I also rock with some uh, with some of that gangster rap from down south from like Texas and uh tennessee and then probably to a lesser extent uh like georgia and florida and then then i have uh what else would be the oh yeah the uh like the blady young lean that type of like that type of sound so basically those are like the three kind of areas that i find myself kind of uh encircled in and that's uh side of music and yeah lin-manuel miranda um i think he's just a, like he, you might see like his face in a meme and that's probably about it the MC biting, Chris. The lip biting one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> MC Chris is a name I have not heard in like 10 years. Oh man. Yeah. MC Chris was kind of like, I remember when like, that was, that was pretty cool at the time. He was on adult swim. He was palling around with Warp tour. Kev yeah, Kevin Smith or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He was like the, the first like big guy like that. who was rapping about nerdy, nerdy shit. Right. Mm. Yeah, I remember there was a girl that I was seeing in uh, like late 2010, like around the time I got my first job. I didn't have a car yet. She drove this like broken down, like totally busted, like old Buick. It had like, I mean, like it would drive. There was like rust just like coming. Like it looked like it was painting the road and like broken fragments of garbage. I don't know. It was pretty terrible. But she had like this like audio, it had like a tape thing. And she had like a, one of those like tape to CD. And she would play like MC Chris, like mixtapes like loud in her car like we're driving to like go to mcdonald's or whatever you know the car's like <laughs> like it's about to blow up and there's like this mc chris all the windows are down and it's just blaring like yeah that's uh that's the last time i could ever really remember because um that we're like listening to it regularly i also went to a convention in i lived in minnesota for years and i would go to this convention uh dr demento uh -huh. he he like uh he was he was out of the twin cities and he like pioneered like a whole lot of stuff i think he was like rocking with weird al yankovic from like the beginning and all kinds of stuff he was really a pioneer in like the sort of like weird nerdy music whether it was rap or whatever it might have been uh parody music yeah any of that stuff and so you know i always had a little bit of that a little bit of that close to home but it wasn't really my uh it would be fun to listen to now and then but it didn't really like you know really have a sentimental feeling to me it was just something for like a party to laugh at Right. I, I, I don't I, I don't understand the mindset of people who would like go to a Weird Al concert and want to do that for 40 minutes or two hours <laughs> or whatever the hell. Like, yeah, OK, one, maybe one every like seven years. 
which is about how he popped off, right? He would get like one hit and it would go mainstream. But going to a concert, listening to a full CD, that's a, that's a, that's a big task, if you're me anyway. Well, you don't want to listen to Fat in concert? I also love that you asked him if, if uh, his circles or people listen to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like, yeah, was it going to be around fat, white, liberal women that pretend <laughs> to have black friends? That's the only people that yeah. listen to that guy. Yeah, The elites, you know, that's, that's really right. who's paying his, uh, <laughs> his rent each month. Where do we go from? Okay, David Lynch. I mean, I mm. want to know, what what is it about David Lynch you like? Because I just rewatched Twin Peaks The Return. And I remember, well, have you seen all of the, the Twin Peaks series, Eggy? You know, I haven't watched all of it, to be honest. Uh, my, my feeling on The Return at first was like, oh, damn, I'm kind of disappointed with where this is going. But there's something that I think you can much easier pick up on with David Lynch anything really and that's like the very subtle subdued comedy sometimes it's a little obvious and it's just like a little awkward thing yeah. that that makes itself very noticeable and then sometimes it's very like layered or uh very subdued and that is um something that i i got with that especially it's just like picking up you know it's 17 hours that he wrote and directed and it's just i found it like the most hilarious thing that I've watched in some time, even though I had already watched it. I, and I had one experience this, this go around, maybe it's just that comedy fucking sucks now. I don't know. That could have played a part as well. Uh, but I, I, I mean, what, what is it about Lynch that you, uh, you enjoy? Well, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the atmospheric bone chilling character driven development. No, but really, I mean, it's just a combination of, uh, many things that, that I just personally have an enjoyment with, you know, whether it's, um, the, setting of the scene the atmosphere the uh soundtrack just and just really a little bit of everything you know there, there to me like um i'm not sure if there's like one it's just like it kind of um he just blends so many things together that i like i would enjoy any of these you know in a in a film to have like all oh, this particular atmosphere be nice but the characters even if they're so so the, this soundtrack or this framing or this um you know there's there's just lots there's this yeah, like I said, the sets or the scene direction is, is the is the soundtrack and like sound design of a movie something that you kind of tune into typically. Yes, uh, I would say, for instance, with with one hour photo, there was a couple times during the film where because um, I was watching it with like surround sound, so there there's like I can't remember which part it was. I think it was around the the climax, and it's like it's sort of like this light thing, and all of a sudden there's like a little twang like a little twang of a guitar, like that's very faint, but, but it's noticeable. And even just like that, that attention to detail, that like just that little bit, it could apply, you know, uh, a change in the, in the mood to me. And I think, um, of course, it just depends. If you're having a, uh, if you're having like a, a John Williams score where it's just like all big orchestral here and big orchestral here, you know, it'll just be a nice, nice music, but it might not have that, you know, that little, nuance that could then impact the the scene so, so or even uh, at the beginning uh we, you know where where he's um taking the, the the photograph for for uh for work you know and it's just like this you know it's just like it's very intense right from the very beginning and i think that the sound direction there you know otherwise it's just like a guy if there was no sound you're watching it on mute it's just like yeah the sounds just like you know it's so the sound to me is important yes 
yeah it's, it's very yeah. subtle but it, it, it works really well to portray the the emotions that the character is feeling uh i read that uh, apparently trent Reznor was the original person or that data soundtrack for this movie but then they ended up going with someone else so it would be interesting to see what he did with that i don't know if that it's possible to get that but because he's another one that has uh scored films in a way that you really wouldn't expect from the music that he's made uh mm -hmm. but I, but I, i feel like in this one it was it was subtle enough where uh it added a lot to the emotion of the characters without being overwhelming like the movie that we talked about where they just the balls on this director you. to have trent reznor do the score and then go <laughs> oh no thank you uh <laughs> i think we're good i think we're gonna get this other guy who's not really known wow uh I, trent reznor is an interesting one if you you've you've listened to any of his like work for the david fincher films it it seems like it's not it's not subtle at all it's not quite as overwhelming as like john williams like you would referenced eggy but i do feel like it absorbs the scene in a way where it maybe takes away from um your, your attention to the acting or maybe what's happening mm -hmm. i can think of that certainly with the social network where it feels like, all right, this whole moment is pulsating because of the music that Trent Reznor's put in here uh, and not necessarily because of right. Andrew Garfield and Eisenberg going back and forth. That's really true, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the sort of... Um, just with the setting of this movie, uh, the word I, like, I almost want to use is sterility just because of some of these scenes where like, you know, his, his apartment's very orderly. He's, you know, you have these scenes in the store, which everything's very bright and, you know, it's, it's kind of got, you know, there's still things in the aisles, but it's just an overall sort of like brightness. And uh, it has like this clean, like I said, sort of almost like a uh, thing to it to where, yeah, if there was just some sort of like, you know, if he's, if he's driving in his car down following, uh, you know, when he, when he slips the photo, I'm not spoilers, you know, when he slips the photo and he's following the vehicle, you know, if all of a sudden, like, Trent was, you know, it would, mm -hmm. you know, compared to just, like, you know, like, the kind of, uh, the tension, it would sort of, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, I mean, I'm not sure, who knows what Trent's had in mind, but to just think that, you know, to mentally uh, make assumptions and presumptions about two different scenarios, yeah, I suppose maybe there was a better way to, uh, like wear like wearing a, a a dirty shirt to go uh, work on the farm or whatever versus like wearing a nice shirt or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great analogy. I think that's a great way to put it because it it works so well with this movie and creating like an unnerving environment, especially since you're spending every moment with that side character. Just about um, Hans. I mean, uh, uh, were you a big ER fan as a as a man in your twenties in the nineteen nineties? No, we no? got him. We got the what do you call them the uh what is what's what you you get Chicago them? Hope you got the bootleg Lifetime ER <laughs> <laughs> no we just didn't get like full seasons so we just got an episode here an episode there what do you mean so you didn't you get full really seasons follow. they would just, what they just play random episodes out of order listen the way that I watched uh, Dragon Ball Z when I was a little boy uh, the channels here in Costa Rica would buy let's say a saga or two. And then you get to a point where that ends and you come the next day and it's just restarted because they, like, oh, they man, didn't know if it was going to be ahead or not. I yeah. remember so, I got in on Dragon Ball Z during like right when they were in the middle of the Boo saga right at the end. And they didn't they didn't purchase whatever the conclusion was going to be. And then they just went back to like Frieza or whatever they're doing. 
God damn. 12 year old me was infuriated in front of that television set. So yeah, I, I, I think I understand what you're, you're getting at with the syndication. Uh, yeah. Anyway, all that to just say the, like the black guy at the end is from ER. That's all. That's really all I wanted to mention. Oh, all right. Well, you um, also have that uh, Coulson from that Marvel movies, of right? Of course, you're um, going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of like uh, if Drake's character Degrassi had just like grown up like in an alternate timeline because like Drake's all like super fresh and popping now. But I can yeah. totally see like where Drake's character was in the Degrassi days, like growing <laughs> up more like clean cut and like not all not like a total G, you know, and yeah. uh <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, what did you guys think of the uh, the supporting performances in this movie? Because I, I, I think the family's kind of whatever, personally. Uh, but you do have like a fairly good performances, maybe toward the end with, uh, you know, mm. that mistress and then the, the officers or the FBI agents that are rating. Also, what's his name from Office Spaces in this? He plays a dick in this movie, I was about to mention too. him. Yeah. Was it Gary boss. Cole? Um. Something like that. I don't. I don't know. He's good too, um, but uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Not that. Not that the family was bad or anything. I just didn't find them uh, especially impressive. I guess they did what they needed to do. The kid was probably the best actor of the three of them. Yeah, he was very believable. Usually, well, I usually hate children actors because they they're not good. Uh, but this one, even in the scenes where they were both together, at no point it feels like the kid is uncomfortable or it feels like. He feels threatened or anything, even though it is kind of a weird thing that he goes to see him at soccer and his parents are not there. And then what do you mean kind of a weird him. thing? <laughs> <laughs> pretty weird. Well, see, with he that scene, him. it was like, yeah. you know how the scene where he's like watching the game or whatever, I ha- half expected that. There was a couple because like they get you that one time and then it's like other times I'm like half expecting it to be like the same shit. And it's like, oh, no, wait, no, he's there. He's there. He's like really about it this time, you know. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> also, or at least I expected him to, or someone to stop him, or to misunderstand him and beat him up, or something like that. And that never happens. Every time he interacts with the kid by himself, uh, it it doesn't feel threatening, but. Uh, at the same time, you know, it, it, it's weird. Like, like you said, fine. Well, do you guys think, that, <laughs> I, I mean, he's undeniably weird, but do you guys think that he's actually a threatening presence until he gets fired from his job? Because that's what coincides with him discovering that the husband has been cheating on the wife. And then he at least works him up to get upset about that instead when he's already, uh, you know, in a frenzy because he just lost his job he's had forever. Like, do you think that that was going to result in that sort of violent altercation where he's forcing them to pose for the camera if he does not lose his job? Well, I think it's well, go, go ahead. Uh, well, the way I see it is that, you know, the obsession is in effect. You know, the investment emotionally is in effect, you know. And so in this way, for him to lose his job, it's not just you know, it's no longer just, uh, oh man, I'm going to, oh man, I got to pay the bills. Crap. What's going to happen. It's like, you know, his whole world, which has been, you know, built in his mind around this is getting taken away from him. And the thing is, yeah, it's like, well, when was it ever going to end anyway? You know what I mean? Like when, when, when exactly, when, when would there have been a clean break? I'm not sure when, you know, it's like when you're obsessed, you know, it's unless, uh, by some miracle, something comes along to, 
you know, help you out with that. But I mean, he's a man who's older and he's kind of invested. And so I'm not sure if I could have seen, uh, because who knows, let's say that he hadn't found out that the woman was cheating. Was he still going to go and like park outside their house? And, you know, right. like who knows how, how much it would have continued on and maybe it would never have gone anywhere too uh, egregious. But if he was still showing up to like, oh, let's go to the soccer game. I'll be there, you know, whatever. No, it just still right. would have yeah. been, it still would have been weird. But yeah, I think the way it all came together was kind of the one-two punch for sure. I think, he, well, I mean, yeah, that's actually something I didn't consider is that he was already on a certain trajectory where he was crossing boundaries that he should not have crossed. And I guess he winds up losing his job partially as a result of that. Uh, but I mean, really, it was kind of a situation where he was going to lose his job, whether he was innocent or guilty, so that the Gary Cole character could maintain uh, his position, not receive any flack, and not wind up going down as a result of whatever issues were going on behind the scenes. So yeah, uh, I, I do think uh, he was probably on a certain track regardless where something bad was going to happen. But he, he was guilty though, right? Because uh, he did have those hundreds of photos, well, yeah, I mean, hundreds yeah, of extra got, copies. It's <laughs> wallpaper, you know, man. Yeah. He's an artist, you know. For years, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think another factor that really added a lot uh, to this movie was the fact that he was the narrator. So you yeah. you get uh, the point of view of the main damaged character that is telling you things how he see them even he sees them even though the reality is not exactly that. Uh, so it gives you a point of view that was very interesting uh, because you just hear him justifying his actions by pretty much saying you know uh, uh, even when 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 he's uh, uh, having lunch at the food court that. Uh, runs into her right uh and then he's like oh i feel like uncle Sai already and she goes this is all social engineering (laughs) he's reading deepak chopra or whatever the fuck that dude yeah yeah yeah, that's that's a great scene yeah yeah but i but i feel like um having him be the narrator uh and just see the the entire situation from his point of view added an extra layer uh to the character that maybe um you wouldn't have gotten if you didn't get that. If we just saw his actions and not the justification that he's given to himself in his head, uh, I don't think that the connection or the or the performance would have been as, as impactful as it actually is once you hear, you know, what he's telling himself to do all these things. Right. I, I think, uh, you know, it's a trope in terms of screenwriting where people will condescend you if you include a voiceover from your protagonist. But I do think it definitely works out to the benefit here with this character and understanding what his uh, thought process is and how he is, he's sinister, but he's not, it's a different kind of sinister than what we're used to with this type of movie with a stalker, with somebody who's obsessed. There doesn't seem to be like a malevolent intent to it at first. And even by the end, it's not really that. What he thinks he's doing is what, an active retribution or pretend he's like reliving maybe childhood trauma that's alluded to just at the very end that might've stemmed his interest in photography. Um, yeah. Also, another interesting thing was that, um, I feel like in this type of movies, it would be very easy to just make him horny, to just make him be (laughs) obsessed with a woman because he makes him horny. And at least at the beginning, when, when, before he finds out about the husband thing, uh, he's also like, he's in love with the family, not just the wife. So he loves that they're happy and that they're in their pictures, they're enjoying themselves and he wants to be a part of the family, not replace the husband, which would have been a very easy uh, or cheap way of just making him creepy that way. Uh, but in this case, even when he runs 
into him at the supermarket. He's like, oh, you're the dad and oh, your family is so beautiful. And he just compliments him, which weirds him out. But uh, it tells you that it's not just him wanting to fuck the wife or, or just wanting to take his place. But instead, he's just wants to be a part of a family like that, that seems so happy. And, and the thing that crushes him is that that image that he's been building for over 10 years is destroyed when he realizes that the husband doesn't actually care about the family. Uh, and that, that, that felt like a, like a more interesting twist to me than just making him uh, horny and creepy that way, you know? Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I hate the word horny. I think it's very disgusting. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I, uh, I think we all are on the same page here that this is a great film, that this is uh, n not talked about enough, and that uh, I, you know, it's a high recommend, probably from all three of us. Um, Absolutely, yeah. One thing I want to get into before we wrap up the show tonight is I want to talk about Eggie. You're kind of like the first bona fide movie star we had on this show. That's why you're in two <laughs> of the biggest movies of last year, Eggie. Well, at least one for sure, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, TFW, no GF. I mean, that was that's an interesting little piece of art that I think has left a, a, a dent in the subculture. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the, the what was it, Feels Good Man documentary about Pepe. Right. Uh, that was very well done also, even if it felt a little confused in its perspective at times. Also, I, I think you got a glowing edit in, in that, that one as well, which I think they could have very easily like painted you as a villain or something because of the 4chan oh, background. I was, you know, uh, the, I was surprised the, by that. Yeah, the thing of, uh, well, I want to say my involvement, I didn't even hardly really know about the CFW and OGF until like pretty much they were already, uh, they were heading into processing. Because mm -hmm. um, they, you know, I mean, I was invited, they were going to have a premiere at South by Southwest, which then got shut down, but I was invited to that and everything like that. They allude, they say I'm kind of like, um, you know, no pun intended, but they say I'm like an Easter egg almost just because there's yeah. multiple there's different parts of the movie where they might talk about something and then they insert something that's relevant, but it's also what happens to involve me in it. And then now, uh, back in April, I was invited out to um, do the commentary track or to be on the commentary track for the Blu-ray release. Um, and it was funny because, uh, you know, it ended up not a lot of people could make it for the commentary track. So it was like me, the director, uh, two of the guys that were in it, and then me, you know, who's not really in it. Yeah, you know, I kinda, I, you're kind of a it weird was like, pick for uh, the commentary, I think, in that way. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty – I mean, I'm sure I, – I would like to think that it turned out like a pretty good commentary track. I'm not sure. People told me that they would, like, let me know because uh, it was, you know, coming out sometime recently. Um, but, yeah, it was like the director and the guys were like, oh, yeah, I remember that day. Who that was, and, I, and, like, every time that they're not, like, just speaking on – certain circumstances like that i'm like pretty much doing a live reaction on the commentary track to the film just like talking my talk so that was pretty that was pretty fun but yeah the guys from uh feels good man you know they're definitely uh you know they're they're uh la born in well actually not to be honest i'm not sure if uh i forget arthur's background entirely i think he had actually worked in new york for a while but anyways whatever the case might be they were uh you know I was a little bit of a colorful character to them at some times, you know, a little bit, uh, but we all got along very well. They treated me very well all the time. Uh, you know, we filmed over a period in, in early 2018 and then in late 2018s at different parts and uh, at all points. Yeah. They were always very kind. And uh, you know, they said that they might see me as kind of a, a strange character, but they said, you know, they thought that my heart was in the right place either way. And so they didn't think that even if, 
I might get wrapped up in some wild, crazy memes that, you know, they think I was kind of was, you know, I'm, I'm just memeing because that's just what I, that's what I do. Yeah. I hold, hold on. <laughs> Didn't you get blamed for a shooting at one point? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Man. What was that like? Well, basically, uh, to make a long story short, um, I had been on a road trip. I just basically like st- I had my original YouTube account. I had just deleted it. Cause I was like, you know, I'd, I thought I was, you know, I thought I was doing something good with it. A lot of those videos are archived now, of course, uh, but I thought I was kind of doing something good, but people were like, nah, you know, we don't want to, you know, people were, they didn't, they weren't rocking my YouTube channel. So I was like, well, then I pretty much like just freaked out. And I'm like, well, then I'm not doing YouTube. And so I took it down and I kind of uh, just went on a road trip to kind of clear my mind about some things. And uh, I ended up on the West coast and I uh, went to got my car you know, oil, you got the oil changed and everything like that, got it tuned up that it needed for heading back uh, east, back home. And uh, little did I know, like that day about, you know, it was it was a ways, probably like a couple hours south of where I was at. Uh, there was a shooting that had happened. And I had mentioned in a roundabout way, even though I didn't have a YouTube channel and I didn't really use social media, I'd mentioned in a roundabout way that I had been kind of in the area. People on 4chan picked up on that they gathered my archived YouTube videos and started sending out media packages saying, Oh my goodness, look at this guy. Look how crazy he is. He did it. Jesus Christ. So they didn't fact check that at all. And I had no idea this was happening. Uh, You know, I I was, while I was waiting for my oil to get changed, I went to go log into 4chan and um, it was just all pictures of my face across. Like every thread was a picture of my face. So I'm scrolling down. I'm like, that's kind of weird. Uh, but I still, I'm like, oh, it's a 4chan prank or whatever. Oh, they're just, you know, oh, I'm the troll of the day. haha, whatever. And then I go and I get my cars all fixed up. I leave uh, and I start heading back east. And I stop at like the first rest stop at like an hour deep or 45 minutes, an hour deep, whatever, to use the restroom. And I have to look at my phone. And the only thing I had for social media at this time was Snapchat. I didn't use anything else. In fact, actually, my OkCupid account that I had at the time was actually getting contacted by um journalists even at the time because <laughs> i had i didn't have anything else all i had was snapchat so I my snapchat and it's like all these people have added me i'm like well, that's kind of weird was this kind of glitch so i started accepting it. it's like oh it's fox news nbc news <laughs> uh abc news they're like they're like you need to co- send us a snapchat immediately you know the word is that you are dead on the scene you are the shooter we need a word from you please respond please respond so then uh, i was like nbc news i was like yeah bro Damn. like I'm like, can you just like fuck off? Like, what do you guys like believe in like a four chain troll? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just kind of, it was so like, it was so surreal. It was just like, what the hell? Like, why would you believe like a four chain post? What the fuck? Like, are you are you dumb? Imagine you know? you're using Snapchat and you think it's gonna be some sexy girl adding you. No, it's NBC <laughs> News, Fox yeah. News wants to send have you send some pictures. Yeah, great. Well, cru- the funny thing about it is that I still have my same Snapchat account. I've had the same Snapchat account for like eight or nine years, and um. Like whenever it came out, maybe maybe that was like 2013, 20, whatever, whenever it was, it doesn't matter. But um, I, I had some of the journalists like continue to have me added as a friend for like a few years after the fact. So like, you know, they're like going out to dinner. I'm like, oh, hey, you're having a good, or, hey, they're having a good dinner today. Boom. You know, I just kind of, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience for sure. Then, you know, then I did some music that was considered to be like way too offensive. So they had me on the news about that. Um but yeah, otherwise it's been kind of uh, it's been kind of humdrum. Otherwise, except now, uh, in just the last week, um, I found out that there's a guy who is uh, stalking me 
And so that kind of stinks. And I, actually, oh, you know, no. watching this, watching this movie. <laughs> I was going to say, what an apt pick. <laughs> I know, right? I kind of didn't even think about it at the time, but like, as I'm watching it, it, it really, uh, it hit a little different. I'm not going to lie. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of just the latest thing that's up with me. It's not really a big deal, but you might, I might have to get a civil harassment order. This guy's kind of, he's, you know, he, he's, he's trying to get a reaction out of it. You know what I mean? So it's like, I might just have to do something about it, but oh, well, it's not a big deal. Jeez. Yeah. I, I thought I saw something about like you were um, getting flagged or something on YouTube by, was yeah. this the same guy or? Pretty much. Yeah. What happened was like, you know, I'd had kind of a wild stream the night before or whatever, um, I was a little off my rocker a little bit, but it was more that I was drinking and it wasn't that I was like, it wasn't anything too serious. <clears throat> so all of a sudden, yeah, I wake up like next morning and this guy, he's like, I'm flagging you. And I'm like, <laughs> cause this guy had been on my, you know, he'd been around for a while. And so like, I never, I didn't really think anything of it, but I saw he always did a lot of like, he'd always say stuff and never mean it. Like he would try to like say, like, Oh my goodness, everybody turn on CNN. Uh, this just happened, you know, crazy stuff that was so like far-fetched. So I thought, Oh, he just, but no, he was, he was serious this time. And uh, yeah, he's been like, he's basically just, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, he like, he's told me who he is. He's told me everything about it. Like he wants me to like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what exactly he's angling for with this, but yeah, he's just like anywhere you go. part of your family. Gonna... He's probably picturing himself yeah, exactly. in your family, you know? Well, that's the thing of it is that after I found out, so I'm like, oh, you're really doing it? Well, yeah, then I expanded for my channel and that was like, yeah. So yeah, really, it was really, it was literally like, you know, it was so there's, there were some parallels there and hopefully, hopefully no more parallels beyond just a crazy guy that's I'm telling the, you know, get lost. Hopefully yeah. no more parallels. Beyond that. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully this guy gets, gets handled, you know? Um, I, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've had very micro experiences like that in the past. Like uh, once upon a time when I was like a teenager, I got a, an online stalker. And uh, it's a very creepy experience. And this person would send me messages and claim this was his backstory. And then I would later read The Shining uh, when I was like 24. I was like, you just made all that shit up. This is just Jack Torrance. What a fucking freak. Who does that? I know, right? Yeah. I killed, uh, I killed a man with an axe. And, oh, I broke my son's man. arm. I, yeah, I saw a, a man in a bear suit sucking off a guy in a hotel room. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so... Uh, uh, yeah, TFW no GF. You got the, you did the commentary on that. They they're doing like a niche boutique Blu-ray release. I think that looks really cool. Uh, I'm gonna have to check that out. Uh, but you had a good experience from both of these movies. I take it. It sounds like. Yes, I did. I know. You know, I I um I don't want to make this sound bad at all. I just know that's because there had been some controversy in some public social media spaces at a certain time of people who had said that they didn't have a fond experience in being involved with the film. And uh, people have approached me at times anticipating that I might, you know, uh, echo that. But uh, frankly, I never had any problems. Uh, I never had any, there was never any issues at all. Um, I was paid for, you know, licensing my image and things uh, for certain parts of the movie and everything was, pretty peachy keen they always treated me pretty pretty friendly so that was my experience um and so yeah i would say that experiences with both films were uh were good for me <laughs> anyway <laughs> I, I you know I, i'm not entirely well versed on the eggy lore but just knowing what i know i think you've had like a cool evolution uh from meme to creative artist and being somebody who's kind of in this sphere of new 
uh, counterculture, subcultural art that seems to have uh, a lot of people's attention, I think, has value to it. So, I mean, I, I think what you're doing is cool. I, I, I really enjoy the music, as a matter of fact. I got white OJ on my phone. I listen to that when I'm at the gym sometimes. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, and then the involvement in these two films, I think, is really uh, interesting and peculiar in a good way. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I think we're going to wrap up the show on that note. Uh, hopefully right we got on. some people uh, introduced to Eggy who may not have been. We have a very, like, normie audience, very, like, film Twitter audience, you know. Not really... I feel like there's a Venn diagram where it's like people from like film YouTube and then the rest of the internet, I guess. So I don't know. Maybe there's some overlap there uh, in that. Yeah. But where, can, where can people find you online? I know you got your YouTube channel. You, you live stream a hell of a lot at night. That's true. Uh, I mean, basically right now I'm just going to say, you know, Instagram at official egg whites. I actually did get my old one egg white account back. So I might end up changing it around, but it'd be a little easier to type in. But yeah, just due to the fact that, you know, my YouTube's getting hit by this crazy guy right now. And it's kind of hard to know, uh, you know, Instagram is kind of my, uh, that's kind of the the home base right now. Or I did, uh, I made a telegram just a couple days ago in, in, in the wake of this whole thing. If anybody uses telegram, it's t.me slash eggygram, all one word. How is um, that, by the way? I'm the telegram is one of the few I'm not on. I haven't really investigated it. Kino says it's pretty good. I don't know. though. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be pretty secure, whatever, which isn't even, you know, I've kind of found um, just with everything going on right now, I don't have my own chats. I know you can have like a chat and it's supposed to be a pretty secure chat service. Um, but right now I'm just doing channel, which is basically it'd be like similar to uh, tweeting with replies turned off. Basically, it's kind of just like a, hey, here's what's going on with me right now, just in the wake of kind of some of the maelstrom that's kind of going on with me right now. Um but I, I do hope to have my things kind of back to normal pretty soon. Like I said, I'm kind of uh, consulting um, because this guy, you know, he literally tells me, oh, here's where I live. You know, yeah, what, what do you want us, what do you want to do? You know, I'm like, well, I'd rather do nothing. I'd rather you just go away. But, um, you know, there's, I'm, I'm consulting. Go drink poison. People. How about that? Just go drink <laughs> poison. Take a nap. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So everybody check out Eggy. And yeah, I, I think Instagram's like the one last enjoyable platform and they're even kind of ruining that slowly uh hansikin dose on on instagram right hans you've been muting yourself a lot you got an audio problem no i just i've been farting a lot i don't want oh. to do <laughs> <laughs> it's very polite the one polite show where you've chosen mute for that that's great uh yeah. all right all right that's been movies for this week eggy thank you so much for coming on man my pleasure thank you for uh having me on appreciate it Absolutely. Anytime. All right. That has been Movies.